Second Chronicles chapter 20. When you find the chapter, just hold on for a moment and I'll, I'll lead you to the verse. And then let me have a, a little bit of time to set, set us up where we need to be so we can focus our minds and that the Spirit can speak to us clearly. Those of you who are watching live, I'd like for you to captivate your attention here for a moment and consider the scripture with me and we'll do it together. I'm, I'm bringing you first the prayer of a fearful king, Jehoshaphat. He has gathered the people together. They will seek the face of God. Now, the king is fearful because the armies of Moab and Ammon have joined together against the children of Israel. The odds are stacked in the enemy's favor. Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah. The capital city there is Jerusalem. And the king will lift up his voice. He's distraught. He's altogether overcome at what he sees. There's a vast army from Edom and from Engedi. It is as if he could smell death in the air. His own people stand on the edge of annihilation. It is certain to come. Are you still with me now? I'm going to step into the middle of the prayer to read the text so we can arrive at the answer. The answer is critical. King Jehoshaphat will say, Lord, you gave us this land. We built a sanctuary for your name. Saying, verse 9, we built the, the sanctuary for your name. Saying, if, there's a possibility, if when evil cometh upon us, as, for instance, he says, as the sword, as war, as judgment, um, as pestilence, as a disease, a virus, or a famine, the depletion of food. We stand before this house and in thy presence. So if that happens, we built the sanctuary in thy name for the intent to stand in this house. For thy name is in this house. That's why we're here, he said. And so if we stand here, your name's here, we cry in our infliction because we know you'll hear us and help us. Verse 10, And now behold the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Of course, if you go back in history, Israel was not prepared to fight. They would have lost that battle. So God kept them from a battle that they would have surely lost. Behold, I say, how they reward us to come to cast us out of the possession you gave us, which thou hast given to us to inherit. Verse 12, are you there? O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. 
and all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, their children. That was the prayer. Now I read you the answer, verse 14. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mattaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. Aren't you glad that people don't introduce me that way? Jeffrey, the son of William, the son of Del, the, the son of... My great-grandfather's name was Luigi. I throw that in because you might need it sometime in the future. And Jehaziel said, Hearken ye, all Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, listen to what I have to say, Jehaziel. Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid, nor dismayed, by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. <laughs> Tomorrow, go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. I like this one. Here's verse 17. And ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Oh, here it goes. Set yourselves. Stand ye still. And see the salvation of the Lord with you. Oh, Jude and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed tomorrow. Go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Let me just say it like this. Get in your position. Stay there. Watch what God will do. I feel the Holy Ghost all over me. <laughs> I want to cry out to God. I love your word, Lord. I stand in all of you, Lord Jesus. And I preach today by the help of the Lord, with the grace of God, this word. The demanding work of standing amen and all the people said amen put your bibles down behind you one more time and give god praise before you're seated i feel like we ought to entertain him for a minute Amen, and thank you for standing, and you may be seated. And for those watching online, I want to tell you, I love you. I pray today, as I preach the word, that the Spirit of the Lord would come right where you are and minister to you. The tenor of King Jehoshaphat is clearly marked in the Scripture. He was bold in many ways. He led the nation on a national religious re-education mission. He developed an extensive legal structure throughout the kingdom of Judah and much more. 
But on all of that movement came ill-fated alliances as well. One with King Ahab of the northern kingdom, a wicked king. Jehoshaphat made an alliance with him. In other cases, Jehoshaphat made bad business deals with ship merchants, all of which failed. The overarching character trait of King Jehoshaphat was that he never stopped moving. It was always something, some for righteousness and others wrapped in the fleshly cloth of compromise. The tenor of the man was doing, thinking, acting, moving. Even in fear, he seemed to recoil in dramatic fashion. He looks like a roller coaster leader, so high and so low, but always in movement. The text I read to you is the low point. It may have even been the lowest of the low to this king of Judah. Reality often speaks in terms that accompanying word will not fix. Reality has an effect on the body, the mind. Of course, you could tell me to think myself warm all you want, but if I'm standing in the bitter winter cold with snow up to my knees, the power of positive thinking is no match for the reality of the conditions wrought against my body. To see a swarm of bloodthirsty soldiers armed with the tools of war, ready and eager to conquer and kill, will set the tone at, at any hour of the day. And that is what Jehoshaphat was facing. He must make a decision, but now he is found flailing about. He has no remedy as he falls into a mournful state. Whatever victory that he has experienced in the past or national initiatives he has been successful at, all are now subdued by the conditions of the hour. Hear this now. I find the irony in King Jehoshaphat's prayer, the greater portion of his answer that he seeks is found in his own prayer. He said it like this, Lord, you gave us this land, and when you gave it, we built a sanctuary so that we could, we could go to the sanctuary, that if we had a problem, we would come and we would stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name. He prayed his own answer. The answer was in his question. All of that moving and gaining, even plummeting, highs and lows, all of it became the antithesis of the voice of the Spirit. Jehaziel answered. He answered him. And his answer was more difficult than the king's movement. It was a task that opposed Jehoshaphat's most natural instinct. King Jehoshaphat was a mover, ladies and gentlemen, and God wanted the opposite. It would take work for this king to follow the direction of the spirit that spoke through Jehaziel because it was not in the king's nature. Stand. It has been noted that the tenor of a person is set long before birth. A child's path is not set nor their direction, but traits and lights are entrenched in the DNA of the unborn. Parents instill so many of their natural mannerisms into that child even before there's clear communication. We know this. Life is taught in so many ways. But of the many things that are taught, all personalities choose from a small pool of choices throughout their life. One of which is called fight or flight response. 
fight or flight. Either of them, one of them, will be employed during the course of our lives. They can switch from time to time, I know, but for the most part, the choice is set. You'll hear this in other terms when people say, I'm not a confrontational person. That's flight. Others may want to address every issue. They like the debate, argumentation, or just a good fight. They may be looking for a fight or feel disappointed when there's no one around to engage them. One person may run, the other one may pursue, but both are on the move. One leaves a scene while the other is on the hunt. They are both found in movement. And the reason is simple. Movement is natural. It is among the most natural responses of the human experience. To walk away or to jump in is all wrapped up in life, in our personality. And while it might change or there might be some aberration, some deviation from the norm, the point is that to move, to make progress or to regress is baked in to our most common routine. What is not natural for us to do is to stand still. It takes work to stand still. <laughs> Forward, yes. Striving, pushing, gaining, yes. There are people who take chances and they fail and then they succeed and then they fail and they get up again. They do it all over again. They have no fear of failure. They like the pursuit. They love the challenge. They, even, they, they, they might even like to challenge others through some discord or debate. They're always doing that. Some parlay of disputes. It excites them. But there are others who find no value in the debate. They will withdraw. They give way, avoid the conflict. They seek peace. At every juncture, they seek a path of peace. They, they may be fearful, or maybe not. Maybe they're just not interested, or perhaps they're just wise enough or worn out. <laughs> Either way, movement is the commonality among us all. What's difficult, what takes work, is standing. Because patience is a virtue that comes from God and employed by the intentional heart to find it and to seek it. Are you getting this now? And though I know that some would consider it elementary or rudimentary, standing or standing still takes work. It cuts against your grain. It challenges your most natural desire. If you are given to flight, it keeps you from advancing. If you're given to remove yourself, it demands that you are, you keep your footing and stay where you are. It means trust. Stand. Set yourselves. Stand still. Don't move. Don't waver. And watch what the Lord will do. Because sometimes your movement is a hindrance to his plan. To stand is to trust God that regardless of the reality, the things that you see, the Lord still sets the precedent, precedent and he is greater than what you can imagine or what you see. I stand here today to say God is greater than what you're looking at. He's more powerful than what you are facing. I don't care if a host isn't camped around about you. God is greater than all of that. was a young boy and, and when my dad said to me Jeffrey jump it's a faint memory we're living 1713 Capel Drive I may be four years old it, I'm, I'm no more than a few steps from the bottom of the basement dad is standing there he said Jeffrey jump I'm gonna catch you I only have a few memories of that house and of those years maybe two or three memories and especially of that basement when Scotty and I spent so much time there and then and then I remember the jump I had to release myself. It was probably not far, but to me, it was like jumping off of a, of a big building. It was the battle between trust and fear. 
I weighed what I thought I knew and the strength and the trust in my father. He told me to jump and he convinced me that he would catch me. Dad was there with outstretched arms, but the distance seemed so far. To stand when things around you are shifting is to trust the voice of the one who is the Lord of your life. To stand still takes confidence in God. And that's not as easy as it may seem. Here's what the Bible says. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. And don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. When your friends oh, and your family leave the truth, when they forsake their convictions or abandon what was first delivered to them, and you decide to move away from it, you're leaving the liberty. But if you decide not to move to stand, it will come at a cost. Mm-hmm. As American philosophies change and shift, even mutate into a pseudo-religious experience, absence of anything scriptural, because the Bible is now no longer part of the Christian experience, standing is going to make you stand out. I'd love to give you something warm and cuddly. I just got to give you real truth. Because a lie is not going to save you. I'm telling you today that if you're going to stand, it's going to take work. I'm preaching about the demanding work of standing still. It would be easier to retreat, to go along, to get along, to do whatever they're doing. But to stand means that you will not forfeit truth or for friendship, but you will buy the truth and you will sell it not. I wonder how many people have left the, left the gospel. They've left holiness, godliness, because they loved their children, and their children retreated. So instead of standing on their first revelation, they deserted the doctrine to retain their relationships. I'll offer you the word. Here's Ezekiel's word. Have I any pleasure at all that the wicked should die? Obviously, the answer is no, saith the Lord God, and not that he should return from his ways and live. God wanted him to. That's the wicked. But now he's going to turn to the church. But when the righteous turneth away from his righteousness and committeth iniquity and doeth according to all the abominations that the wicked man doeth, shall he live? No. All his righteousness that he hath done shall not be mentioned. In his trespass that he hath trespassed and in his sin that he hath sinned, in them shall he die. Here's Galatians 4. formerly when you did not know God you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods but now that you know God or rather are known by God how is it that you are turning your back to those weak and miserable principles do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again Here's 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn away from the holy commandment delivered unto them The turn is the flight. It's the movement away from righteousness. Peter writes it clearly. He said for them who knew, they knew the way of salvation. They knew what right living meant, but they left it. They did not stand in it. They compromised. They walked away. Can you hear what the Spirit is saying today? It's a hard saying. Holy Ghost revelation is going to be challenged by human relationship. So I'm preaching today the word. Set yourselves. Set up yourself. Put yourself 
in the right place where truth exists. And stay there. Stand there. Stand still there. And then watch what the Lord will do. I'm preaching to you, stand. It's a demanding work. But if you ever get into that kind of work, you're going to see things in God that you've never seen before. Mm. I know, I know, I know that I, I know our feeling. We want to fix our situation, but the spirit is speaking today. Stand. We want to rearrange our lives, but God is telling you to stand. You want to fight, get engaged, do what you can do, but God is telling you to stand. Here's the word. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. Stand. Unmovable. Stand. And then always abounding in the work of the Lord. Stand. For as much as ye know that their labor is not in vain in the Lord. Be steadfast. Be unmovable. Be steadfast. Be unmovable. Stand still. Do the work of standing into faith. Do the work of standing in the truth. Do the work of standing for principles and righteousness and godliness and the word and a revelation and a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'll help you a little bit because we're all a little conflicted now and some of us are worse than others when it comes to loneliness or isolation you want to remedy your loneliness the emptiness with things or relationships or some good time God's telling you to stand 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 yes Paul presented the mystery of being weary and well-doing it's a strange thing that people could be worn out doing good even doing good can seem a little like doing nothing but the word is clear don't get weary in well-doing don't let the enemy make you believe that you are behind or that you're missing something stand don't get weary stand you're doing good stand you're committed stand you're devoted stand just know this set yourself in God and stand as a pillar and be planted in the church and be planted in the truth and if you do that it's going to take work for you you will be challenged, ladies and gentlemen, and you're going to be questioned. It may even look like you're not doing very well or making progress, and you won't have all the answers, but you've just got to reply to the world, to the spirit of the age, or to whoever. I'm not leaving the truth. I'm not forsaking the gospel. I'm not giving up on what the Lord showed me. I'm not walking out of the house of God. There's a sanctuary. There's a place where I can go. It bears his name. So whenever I'm in trouble, all I have to do is just get there. Even if I don't have the answer, if I can get in that house and I can stand... I know in our minds we'd like to have some fancy complex answer. We want to have some diagram. We want to have a set of counselors and a, and a focus group. But I got a different word for you. It's a demanding work. It's going to make you, it's going to make you be planted. Just stand in what you know is right. Uh huh. There are times when just being in worship. Or just deciding that this Bible is your source. Is going to be greater than anything you'll ever accomplish in life. See if you move away from God to make money. Are you hearing this now? I say I hope you do really good. But to date money will never buy you peace. A million before you've already tried that. And they died miserable and empty. Even the Lord said whose things shall these be? I mean, it means who's going to get all your stuff? 
wealthy men with all the properties of land died and now all that's been parsed out to people. Who's going to get it? Things cannot replace a clear conscience before God. The pursuit of pleasure will run out and the loss will be greater than the sum of all you're getting. Stand, ladies and gentlemen, stand. The Holy Spirit is here to speak to you. You'll be farther ahead when you let the Lord fight your battle than when you decide to engage or run away. It's okay to admit this. I don't know what to do. I'm not sure where where to go. All I know is that if I'll just stand right here and set myself up and stand still, I'm going to watch what God can do. I don't have the answer. I'm going to close my mouth because I don't have the answer. But I know the Lord has the answer. I know the Lord has the strength. I know God has the way. The problem is you cannot stand until you set yourself in the right place. If you stand in the wrong place in the way of sinners, Psalm 1, you're in trouble. If you're standing in a host of people that are filthy, negative, horrible talking, going to places where you shouldn't be, you're in the wrong place. You'll never see the salvation of God. But if you'll find a place where doctrine is true and the word is preached and God is glorified and it's not about us or me or you, but it's about him and we come in and magnify the Lord, I promise you, if you'll stand in that place, set yourself up and stand in that place, that's what the word said. And if you're running away, if you walk away, whatever it is, if you try to avoid it, your movement will carry you away from the victory and away from the blessing. And God wants you to see something you've never seen before. Of course, we think that we have to come up with solutions for things that only God can solve. Who thinks that? Why do we think that? There are some things only God can solve. You can't solve it. We can't solve what's going on in our world. We can't solve what's going on in our family. We've tried for a long time. The human hand is made out of clay. It's made out of mud. Didn't you read that in your Bible? And that's what happens when you put your hands in problems and stir it around. You just muddy up the waters. Only God can solve that. Get your muddy hand out of that water. God can do anything and you can do nothing. All you can do is make a mess. So get in that place and stand and say, I'm going to see the salvation of God. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to cry out to God. I built a sanctuary for your name. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to stand in the sanctuary. I'm getting happy all over again. (laughs) Jehoshaphat prayed. He said, we knew you gave us this land. And we built a sanctuary so that if we ran into trouble, disease, famine, the sword, we knew that if any one of those things happened, we would come into this place and stand. And here it is. I'll give you a little commentator clarity. We would, the Bible says, stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress and you will hear us and save us. The answer was in his prayer. Jehoshaphat missed it, however. His entire life was spent doing something, some high, lofty thing or some dramatic, weeping moment, depressive thing. He was either doing good in God or making alliances with the devil. He was aggressive in tearing down false gods, but foolish in pursuing friendships with people who hated the Lord. All that movement, he just could not imagine that the answer was to set himself and stand still and watch. Here are the elements of Jehaziel's sermon. Do not be afraid, people. Set yourself, stand still, see the salvation of God. Because the fight, this battle, is not yours, but it is God's. I want to tell somebody, this battle is not yours, but it's God. 
Now, I don't know why, but the Lord spoke to me when I was driving to church today. And he said, when you're preaching this, call it out. He told me, there's a pastor's wife that's going to be watching this. I know this is strange. I'm sorry. And you need to hear this word. Stand where you are. God is going to work it out for you. Would you just receive that could be the word of God for somebody? I don't know. Oh, even while I say it, I'm overwhelmed with the Holy Ghost, but I know that it might be hard for some of you. I'm not trying to, I'm trying, I'm not trying to be out there. I'm, I'm not collecting an offering. I'm not doing that. I'm just saying this to people. I'm not trying to put on something, but the Lord spoke to me that you're watching this. You're seeing this, what I'm saying, and you're struggling. You think that you've got to do something. I want to say, stand, set yourself. God's going to work it out. God's going to solve it. He's bigger than all those things that are going on in your life. Yes. Paul wrote it like this to the church in Corinth. He said, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. What is that treasure in earthen vessels? That means that the Holy Spirit is in jars of clay. We are the clay. We're earth. Humanity. We have this treasure spirit in us. And then he said, but that the excellency of the power may be of God, not of us. Which means we have it in us, but it's not of us. We get to have it, but we're not the source of it. Are you catching that? I'm clay. I have the spirit inside of me, but I'm not the source of it. It came from God, not of us. You start right there. That seeing God is what we do best. Paul said it right there. We have it. It comes from God. And then Paul offers a dose of reality. After that verse, that was verse 7. Then he gets into reality, but he doesn't leave us in reality. He gives us the answer. Verse 8, we are troubled on every side. I've got this excellent treasure in me. It came from God, not of me. And we are troubled on every side. That's the problem. That's the reality that I'm facing. But here's another thing. We're not distressed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. It's not over. We're persecuted, but he never forsook us. He didn't cast us away. He didn't leave us. We're not destroyed. We've been pushed aside, but we're not over. We're not through. We're not done. I say, set yourself. Stand to the work of standing.
I want you to cry out to God with your voice and just say, yes, Lord. I'm standing, Lord, on truth, on principle, on doctrine, on holiness, on godliness, on the word of God. Yes. <laughs> you ought to clap your hands one more time. I got a little more. It sounds nice when I read it to myself. Those words bring me comfort every time I rehearse Jehaziel's powerful message to the king. But when put to task, standing still, standing in any place takes work for me. Standing, it takes work for me. Maybe not for you, but it takes so much work for me. Holding my place is often harder for me than pressing forward. Whether you're given to fight or flight, nothing invokes it more than when you are pinned in. When you're pinned in, that's when you want to do something. The greater the problem, the greater the need to do something. When you're boxed in, then you want to do something. That's your nature. You either want to run away or you want to fight the fight. Here it is. I'll read it to you. Pharaoh let them go. All three million of them. Moses was their leader and it was going so well. They had clothes they never had before. They had gold, silver. The treasures of Egypt weighed down their meager wagons. They were liberated. They were a liberated slave nation on a collision course with the Red Sea and they did not know it. And when they arrived at that impasse and peered over their shoulders, a billow of dust rose in the distance. It was Pharaoh and his army. They were there to consume them and kill them. Verse 11, Exodus 14, they said to Moses in their distress and fear, because when you have fear, you make statements that you ought never make. Fearful people are often people who are filled with dishonor and disrespect. And they accuse everyone because they're full of fear. I, I had it good, but when I got to the church, I had a lot of problems. Since I started serving God, I had a lot of problems. I had a better job and everything was going well. The moment I got in the church, things went downhill. Well, guess what? Because the devil wasn't fighting you out there. He already had your soul bound up for hell. And the moment that he got, that you got free of him, he said, oh no, now I'm going to fight you. So would you rather have it good now and go to hell? Or would you rather have a little struggle right now and get to heaven? You got to make up your mind. You command you. Oh my, I feel like preaching a little bit now. How long is this service? How long do I have here before the time runs out? <laughs> uh-huh. And they said to Moses, what are you talking about? Because there are no graves in Egypt, you've taken us away to die in the wilderness. You rewrite history when you've got trouble. You've dealt with us, carried us forth out of Egypt. Did they just forget all the good things that God did for them and all the plagues? What's in your brain? You accuse God of something, of neglect, gross neglect, because he brought you out. You know what our problem is? We get it so good that we think it was better before. It wasn't better before. It was a miserable life before. Then they said a lie. Didn't we tell you, leave us alone? We may serve the Egyptians. They never said that. Then they made up another lie. It had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than die in the wilderness. <laughs> Thank God for a leader with humility. I'm talking about Moses, not me. <laughs> I'm working on it. Help me, Lord. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm really trying, Lord. Help me. 
Moses, he should have just cursed them all and said, well, just go on back, you guys, just go on back. You don't want this? Go on back. Go on back. Go back to your, go back to your clay bricks and blocks and your whip. Go on back. Making up all kinds of nonsense as if I'm the one. God is the one that led you out. No, but they had a humble leader. He was encouraging them. Bunch of Eeyores. Standing at the Red Sea. Poor me, we're going to die. Yes, you are going to die back there. <laughs> and Moses stood up and said, Fear not! Stand still! And see the salvation of the Lord. Get rid of fear. Stand exactly where you are. And watch what God can do. And it never crossed their mind. Because it had never happened. That God could part the mighty Red Sea. See what you're thinking is. Whatever you're facing. Is an impasse that cannot be overcome. But that ain't nothing to God. If you'll just stand in your place. Set yourself up. And look right ahead. God's going to do something in you and in us. That has never been done heretofore. I got to tell you what the Red Sea is and I got to tell you what the Egyptian army is. The Red Sea is the future and the Egyptians are the past. He can open up the future, watch this, and he can destroy the past. Here it is. It's the word. See the salvation, Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see them again no more forever and ever and ever. Everything you used to deal with, I'm going to drown it out in the water. I'm going to put it, I'm going to bury that. You're never going to see that again. You're never going to go back to that past again. Not only am I going to take care of the past, I'm going to open up the future. For the Lord shall fight for you and you shall stand. Hold your peace. Hold your peace. Give up now. Set yourself and stand. <laughs> now stand. <laughs> You know you're living in? You're living in prophetic times where evil is called good and good is called evil. You're living in a spiritual time of great spiritual unrest and spiritual warfare. You're not fighting against people, ladies and gentlemen. Come on now. The church ought to know better than that. Anything that will happen, God has already ordained it to happen. Everything God ordained it to happen. You know what the Bible says? He sets up the kings and takes them down. Don't you know that the Lord's in control? Computers, politicians, ballots, world, world, world leaders, they're not in control. If you think that, you need to get back to the, to the word. God is in control. God is in control. Fear not. Set yourself and stand and see what God's going to do. I'm going to end right here. Maybe. Paul said to the church at Ephesus, 
he said there's a spiritual battle raging it's not human he said but there's a wrestling about forces it's the forces of spiritual darkness let me quote it to you for we wrestle not against flesh and against blood you're wrestling against principalities that's spiritual government against powers against the rulers of the dark we're not even talking about the low level people we're talking about the high level devils the demons and high level against the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness where in high places here's paul's answer so wherefore taking you the whole armor of god that ye may be able to stand where today and having done all it's the only time in the bible where the two words are connected by one period but they're the same word having done all to stand the next verse says stand when you've done everything to stand stand when you've gone through all the tasks to stand here's your next step stand when you've done everything you can keep doing everything you can when you plant your feet plant your feet when you remain still remain still when you stand stand